Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. Tim Heiderich. And today we have a special guest who has appeared in over 60 films and TV shows and holds multiple martial arts black belts. It's Cynthia Rothrock. Cynthia, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your career. How would you describe it? Oh my gosh, my career, I would describe it as a blessing. Uh, it's something that I love to do. Um, every day is exciting for me and I get paid for what I do so um, I couldn't so be lucky. any happier I wouldn't have changed it any any way that I could you know so I just feel I just feel really blessed to be doing something I love so much fantastic so to give those of you who don't know about Cynthia a little capsule summary um, she started as a martial artist I believe on the East Coast yes mm-hmm. and then uh, you were part of a demonstration team on the west coast and that led you to a contract to appear in films in hong kong um which blossomed into a multinational film and tv career yes uh-huh that's that's correct <laughs> <laughs> and uh you might have seen her on youtube some of her best fights have appeared in a lot of uh, youtube compilations for example one from the movie undefeatable went viral um, so how has that experience been, um, kind of having your career sort of revived through this digital medium? Yeah, well, I, I didn't even know about it. It's funny because Undefeatable is probably one of my least favorite films really? that I have ever done, you know? And um, I remember, like, someone saying, you have, like, over 12 million views on that. And I was like, what? You know? And uh, they actually did a screening of that film uh, in Beverly Hills. They had a, you know, a theater and a, question, a Q&A after, and they said, come down. And I was like, well, okay, but that's not, like, my favorite film. They were, no, everybody loves it. And they packed the theater, and they're like, when is there going to be a part two? Uh, I don't think there is yeah. going to be, but but it's funny, you know. It's 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 funny because when I see that, I think, oh my gosh, it's so bad. It's funny, so that's why it went it went viral, you know. But I think you know the media is great, you know. It just uh, brings so many more people, maybe that aren't martial art enthusiasts or or fans of martial arts, into this crazy kind of world that I, I live in. Yes, because I think that you've been pigeonholed a little bit as sort of a cult film actress and you know personally you know if I can be forgiven I didn't know about you until um Undefeatable was covered on Red Letter Media I don't know if you're familiar with their review no I'm not (laughs) yeah like I said if um, if you were a 12 year old boy in the 90s you knew Cynthia was (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I think I think one of your now if you're a 50 year old man no (laughs) (laughs) well you know like our podcast we um we do not distinguish high culture from low we love it all yes so no judgment but um what did you what what do you dislike about Undefeatable I'm just curious well um it was a very low-budget movie, which, you know, I, I've done low-budget before, but I remember we shot it in uh, D.C., and um, the director 
uh, paid me quite a bit because that was at the peak of my career. So I was like, okay, this is great. But then he didn't really pay anybody else because he put all the money into my budget. So people were coming in, hey, can you be in this movie? Well, I got to be out by six o'clock because I got to work. All right, hurry up. Let's get this scene done. So it wasn't really a big casting you know for it it was kind of like who's who will do a favor who work for free who'll do this who do that you know uh the script got changed quite a bit you know some of the lines in it were a little cheesy and you know sometimes when you are hired as an actress you really at times don't have too much say you have right. to do what the director says. And whether you like it or not, or you're told, oh, I can't say that line, that's a horrible line. Well, just say it and we won't put it in the movie. You know, right. Yeah, okay, I've heard that before. And, and there's a couple lines. Yeah. yeah, a couple <laughs> lines in there, right? Uh, so I guess that's what it was. It's just, it was just something that, you know, if I, I would, you know, better story, better script, better, you know, acting. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm glad there are people out there that like it. <laughs> yeah, because, um, you know, personally, we enjoyed it just because the movie is so, like, off the chain. It's really ridiculous. It's, a, it's kind of a ridiculous story. And a lot of the scenes are just, like, you know, cranked up to 11. Well, it's like about a serial killer who takes people's eyes. For yeah, sake. yeah. Yeah, the and then there's lines in it like, I'll keep an eye out for you, Sonny. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny. And it's funny because the one actor in it, he was, like, a bodybuilder. Yes. And... <laughs> when his scene was coming up, he would be flexing and he'd be really tight and we'd go to do the scene and he wasn't relaxed. And, you know, if you know anything about fighting, you relax and then when you're you're hitting or striking, that's when you tense up. But you don't stay tight before because it limits your flexibility, your smoothness, right? And mm -hmm. he just kept so flexed, so tight because he wanted his muscles to be seen all the time. It was like one of the hardest fight scenes that I ever had to do, you know, because it was like, Fighting with a wooden dummy, you know? <laughs> so you, yeah. you had a case of two people from different fields coming together and having to work Yeah, you know, together. and I think that was his first film, so we didn't know. And, you know, back in the 80s, it was take your shirt off for the men, you know, take the shirt off and flex your muscles, and that's what it was about when you do a fight scene, you know, you yeah, have we'll to, like, take your you shirt off. And... But I'll tell you, here's the funny thing. You should watch this. Talk about off-the-chain movies I did. But this one was different. This one was... <laughs> was kind of like that, but uh, it was a better production. I just did a, a film called uh, Fist of Fury, or Fury of the Fist. They change, they keep changing the title, with Sean <laughs> yeah. Stone. Sean Stone uh, stars in it, and uh, Alexander Wraith directed it, and that, I tell you, is one of the craziest movies I've ever done. But oh, nice. but I think it's totally going to go into that cult kind of mm -hmm. kind of film. It's it's very funny, very outrageous. You either love it or you hate it, or you look at it and go, "What was that? <laughs> what was that about?" <laughs> but that's what it was meant to be, you know. And there's a lot of like uh, martial art actors in it that are known that have done like a lot of lot of lot of projects that I have. But that one you should check out because I, I think you, you know you can catch that somewhere. That one I'd like to see your reaction on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely will check it out, and maybe we'll end up covering it on the show yeah. yeah i think the most recent one that i that i'd seen with you was uh was one of the asylum films uh it was mercenaries mercenaries yeah it was kind of the asylum's entry into a sort of expendables yes. realm right yeah, yeah so. that was it i was an interesting film uh i was on my way uh, to the Arnold Classic. I was getting a, an award, a Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was, I was the first actually martial artist to be inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame. And as I get there, I get a call saying, hey, we want you in this movie, you know, Mercenaries, and you've got to turn around and come right back. And I'm like, but I'm 
getting an award from Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? But they're like, but this is this is going to be a good part for you. And what happened is I wasn't originally cast for that. It was uh, Rebecca De Mornay. And she backed out at the last minute. Oh. So someone said, call Cynthia Rothrock, right? So they offered me a good payday. And it was, you know, it was a good part. And uh, I said, okay. I said, Arnold, can I like not come and then my my friend dr goldman who hosts it says you can't do that yeah (laughs) so i said well so he called them he actually says well maybe i'll have arnold call them and they said okay well you do the event in the morning and then you fly right back and then you be on set at 6 a.m the next morning and i'm thinking i could do that i could do that i could get the award and i could get right back and then they sent me the script and the script is all technology terms you know and i'm like oh my god i gotta be on the set so I, I get it, and I'm, I'm doing this award, and I'm trying to read it on the plane. I get off the plane, and they say, oh, no, we're changing your part. You have this other part. So I get to the set. I don't even have time to look at the script. I get to the set, and I have, like, a four-page dialogue scene, all techno- technology terms, you know, because I was, like, the head yeah. of, like, like an FBI agency or something, you know, and I was like, oh, my God. It was, a, it, was, it was very crazy. It was very crazy. But I ended up getting the word. I ended up doing the movie. And that was totally unexpected. That's kind of like how my life goes. You, know, you never know what's going to happen one minute to another. It seems kind of uh, in keeping with your earlier Hong Kong work where you were kind of a, a jet setter between L.A. and Hong Kong just uh, for wherever the work takes you, where it was, you know, you have to – you know, you'd have one part and then like you'd have to turn around for like a martial arts tournament and then you'd have to turn around and go back to filming. So it seems like it's it's very much the the same, like Jen says, the, the life of a working actor. Well, yeah. especially yeah. because, mm-hmm. um, and we can expand a little more on the process, Hong Kong filmmaking tends to mean extremely uh, compressed production schedule doesn't it like um actually not it was totally opposite uh my first movie i did in hong kong took seven and a half months really yes it is not compressed they take their time um uh, there was a movie called yes madam that i did with michelle yo and just the ending fight scene took a month and uh they're not it's it's kind of like you have so many actors you know in a hong kong film and it's not contractual like here in LA you know if you're doing a movie here in Hollywood they say okay you cannot do another movie while you're doing this right and you have to devote all that time period to shooting well over there it was like oh no this other actor is working on this movie and this is here and to get all the actors together took quite a long time plus they don't have a script you never have a script in Hong Kong so when I was there shooting so you would get to the set and they go okay what are we gonna shoot today all right well let's figure out the dialogue let's figure out the (laughs) the action you know and it was kind of on the spot thing and uh, it so it it took it was it's the opposite total opposite you know it's a, a very long time one of the actors might get hurt doing a dangerous stunt because they do. The actors in Hong Kong do your own stunts. You know, oh, okay, well, so-and-so broke their leg. we got to wait until they can come back in. <laughs> so, was... Well, color me educated. I did not know that yeah, you know, about yeah. production in those cases. Well, we, c- um... certainly that last scene in Yes, Madam, like, that shows the work that's gone into it. Like, that looks like a month of prep because, I mean, the movie up until that, it's, you know, your standard action fare. But then, like, the climactic scene is a huge payoff. Yeah. So, the scene is incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely yeah. And, incredible. And, and, I mean, you know, I love doing Hong Kong films more than anything when I came back to America I was like no what this is easy action I don't even have to put a pad on (laughs) I could wear short sleeves but you know even to this day those Hong Kong movies that I've done still stand out you could still look at those fight scenes and that is done with no CGI you know you are brutally doing it you're on wires you're doing these death defying stunts that you never in your life thought you would ever be doing you know and uh 
I, I just, um, you know, for a movie to be shot like in the 80s and still hold up today, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of you know, crazy. Because, you know, you look at the, like, Star Wars, like the, or not Star Wars, but uh, like Star Trek or Superman, the original one, you're looking at it going, wow, look how different that was, you know. But these fight scenes are just so good and they're, you know, they're brilliant over there as far as, as, far as choreography goes. But you yeah. have the time. You have the time, you know. Yeah, and I think that's why it was a quantum leap forward for American filmmaking and elsewhere when um, home media uh, enabled these films to be seen in the West because um, the choreography and the knowledge of the different martial arts forms was so elaborate that it was really, you know, streets ahead of what was being done in the States. And that's why when those movies became like kind of cult popular, you, people start asking, like, well, could we do this in an American film? Can we have, actually have, like, really good fight choreography? Yeah. Oh, you can put them on a wire now? I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the first ones was, like, The Matrix, you know. They yes. Have, like, I think Corey Yoon was the choreographer for that. And when Crouching uh, Tiger, mm-hmm. you know, when that movie came out, you know, it introduced people to uh, Hong Kong fight styles in a more broader version. You know, instead of just being a martial art enthusiast and going to a Chinatown video store and, you know, getting the video. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, um... Because, yeah, like, the, the fight scenes between, like, your Hong Kong stuff and your domestic stuff, like, they vary pretty widely. I, I would say that, yeah, the Hong Kong stuff is definitely, like, a cut above. Yeah, I think most of the American movies, if any of them lasted longer than three weeks, uh, you know, I can't remember. But, you know, I've done American movies where... We shot a, one movie in three days, you know. <laughs> Which one <laughs> was that? Whole, it was Santa's summer home. It, well, it wasn't any oh, yeah. action, but still, three days. I was like, three days, right? And he's like, yeah, this is a luxury. We usually shoot them in two. But oh, I would wow. say most of the movies that I shot were uh, like a three-week three week shoot. So it was mm. almost the American movies that were kind of like that. Shoot them fast, crank them out, you know, back in the 90s. This has been educational already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, you obviously came from a heavy martial arts background because you had multiple championships in, I think, forms and, and weapons mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious about what the learning and growing process was for you when you moved into film production. Um, to start with, how does uh, your martial arts practice differ from what you put on the screen obviously it's um it's going to be a little different yeah it's 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 different uh it's different and it's the same basically because uh when you're practicing you're not really hitting people you know when you're sparring everything is in control when you're learning self-defense techniques you're not really hitting anybody so in that way it's kind of similar because you get on set and you got to make it look like you're hitting but you're not really you know you don't follow through uh i guess one of the hardest things, I think a lot of martial artists, almost every martial artist wants to go into film. Yeah, I want to be an action star. It's not that easy because not only do you have to, you know, do your movements, you have to pay attention to where the camera is, you have a mark on the floor, you can't go off that, you know, you've got to remember your choreography, you've got to make it like close so it looks like it hits, you know. So it really, really wasn't that much different, uh, except I got hurt a lot more in movies than I did in classes. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, because you, you tell a lot of stories about just being absolutely black and blue, like having to do the splits for two hours and not being able to walk for three days, uh, stuff yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. that was a question I had, which was um, when you were in that situation where you had had a particularly brutal shoot the day before, 
and you had to go to the set again the next day. Like, how did you cope with that physically? Uh, in a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tiger bomb on my muscles. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's funny because no matter how physical I am, every time I shoot a movie, I'm always sore after the fight scenes because um, you're putting a different kind of energy into into fighting and you're repeating those scenes especially like in Hong Kong like you know uh, you might do this one scene 50 times and in America they'll be oh first take that's good okay let's move on well can we take one more no we don't have any time <laughs> that's good let's move on you know so I don't know why they do so many of them you know because you know you out of those 50 takes you've got to have at least 30 that are good you know but they take something from here or there they you know their editing is different you know so I always feel like I, I was sore but in situations like that where I was in a split for two hours on the wall you know <laughs> My legs were shaking when I got off. I felt like I had no legs. And then two days later, it was like, you know, you, you, you just got to suck it up and do it. You know, you can't, you can't let any injuries or soreness uh, get in the way of what you're doing. Again, a real trooper. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, started in visual media basically with the KFC commercial. And that was your first appearance yes, on camera. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you learn to act on camera? Well, it, you know, it was a long process because I knew nothing about it. You know, um, when I did the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial, that was like a, you know, a, a international commercial, you know, and I, I was never in front of a camera before. And I just remember, you know, they said, OK, we're going to fly you to L.A. Uh, first class. And I was like, first class? I never flew first class. Well, there was no first class from San Jose to L.A., you know. And um, when I went in the studio, they had the whole Kentucky Fried Chicken building inside a set you know and I was like oh my god you know I mean I was just like I you know the guy said here's $200 for dinner and I was like I'm gonna get a $10 pizza and have $190 left over you know? <laughs> I was like wow this is crazy but I you know I was nervous because I was afraid I was gonna forget my lines and I think you know that's one of the things is if you go into acting and right into film like I did you really think you've got to study everything, you know, that you don't have time to read this scene, do this. If you make a mistake, it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just shoot it again. So, um, you know, the more I worked, the better I got. And one of the things that helped me with um, my acting is after a couple of years, I started studying with Second City, which is an improv group. And that taught me because when you first, you know, I could see it, you know, when I look back at my early movies, I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm looking at the person and I'm not listening to what they're saying. In my mind, I'm thinking, what am I going to say? So I'm going through my, my own lines in my head. <laughs> and in Second City, it taught me, you know, that if I'm not listening to what they're saying, I'm going to have like egg on my face because I'm not going to be able to come back to whatever they're saying. So that was a really big, big uh, step for me and I felt that my acting started getting better and better and, and I think the more you do it the better you get you know especially for a person that hasn't had like you know I didn't have any acting classes I didn't know what filming was about you know I was just an athlete you know so it, so um, you know progression is better and better you know and even now the more you do the better the people you work with like when I was doing that undefeatable Right. I remember there was a scene where my sister died and she's in the coffin and this is this big emotional scene and she had to go to work. So the director put his hand in there and he was doing this like kind of 
like a claw mark with his hand going in and out. And I said, I have to talk to that hand. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, can you like at least put a body in there? I don't want to be looking at your hand making funny motions while I'm talking to my sister that's dead. Oh, my God. My sister's been turned into a disfigured hand. I know, I know. And it couldn't just stand there. It had to start going like making all these like... Well, you carried it off very well, considering. Yeah, that is kind of unexpected because it's not just that, but I mean, there are other films that I'm forgetting, obviously. But yeah, like they have emotionally intense scenes for you, which I think is pretty far outside the range of, you know, like you say, you're an athlete coming into films, but still they're, it's interesting that, you know, they're giving you scenes that are sort of pushing your range as an actor. Yeah, well, you know what, the turning point for me was a movie I did called Sworn to Justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, uh, I was uh, like a psychologist. I had a lot of terminology at a study. There was, was emotional there scenes. McKinney? It was Kurt McKinney. Yes, we watched. I that. had a love scene in it. I yes. had, you know, a death. You know, my sister died. I had all these stunts. You know, and I studied with Ivana Chubik at uh, for acting classes, and uh, that helped a lot. And I think I learned so much from that film. I felt that was a good progression because when I was doing Hong Kong movies, they didn't care how you acted. They were just like, they shoot with no sound. So they someone else comes in and dubs your voice, you know? And they just want a good action. So it was never, never specified, oh, you didn't do this well or this, you know, it was just whatever. I remember like, I was like, I said, I'm going to bite you. And I was supposed to say, I have to fight you. And I, and I started laughing and said, oh, I said, I want to bite you. And so the director's going, so? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I said, I want to bite you. And he's like, it doesn't matter. That's, it would certainly freak out your opponent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God, this, gotta this chick is Get nuts. in their head. Yeah. And that's the thing that I wonder too about shooting movies in Hong Kong, not speaking Mandarin, I assume. Like, Cantonese, I think. Cantonese. Yeah. Um, well, I don't speak either. Uh, so how how are you delivering your lines, and how are you working with the crew then? Well, it was a lot of sign language, you know, and it, and it was weird because at first I was there, I started studying Mandarin because it's easier, but nobody, like you said, nobody speaks Mandarin. Everybody spoke Cantonese in Hong Kong. So then I started studying a little bit of Cantonese. But when I went over there, someone said to me, okay, you know, it's typical of, of uh, Hong Kong movies that – you will talk and the mouth will keep going and then you know yeah. you know it just wasn't synced right because you know nobody did it so they said find out what they're going to say so i would say well give me it in chinese how many syllables is that right and then i would try to break down my lines into whatever those syllables were and make it and you know sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't cuz i remember doing one of those hong kong movies and the director said to me look up at the ceiling and i said what am i looking up at the ceiling for they said just look up Right? The so, director's hand is So there. here I am, I'm standing, there wasn't even a hand there. Now I'm looking at the <laughs> ceiling and I'm counting the holes in the ceiling because I have no idea what's going on. The movie comes out and we were getting invaded by aliens and I was looking up at the aliens. <laughs> and the aliens. So I was like, don't you think you could have told me that? You know? Yeah, give me a little direction here. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like, ah, aliens, uh, must be Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that um, in Hong Kong they weren't exactly method with their approach to acting. No, and I remember, like, if I had a scene that I was angry, I'd be, like, you know, really angry and talking loud, and they're like, why are you doing that? Because I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, and they'd be like, well, I'm just going to the store. And they're supposed to be yelling back at me, and I was like, why are you doing it like that? This because it's not my voice. Though someone else will come in. I'm just an actor. Someone will come in with the voice and do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So they'll, they'll shout it in post. Yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. So they thought they thought I was a little crazy. So yeah. essentially, you wouldn't. You would just have somebody, you know, feeding you a line off camera, but not reacting to you. Well, I never such. knew what they were saying to me. I, I would gotcha. just know what I was saying to them, and. Uh, 
they got done talking, so it must be my turn. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew, yeah, a lot of the times I did not know what was going on in the movie. You know, if I couldn't comprehend it just by visual, you know. <laughs> nice. So they're, they're kind of min-maxing the uh, martial arts versus acting. Yeah. So like, we know why people come to see these movies. It's not the sync sound. And, you know, not the not, sync sound yeah. or yeah. The, the Stanislavski uh, acting. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have a funny story. R- Richard Norton and I were doing a movie called Shanghai Express with Sammo Hung directing it, and we were sitting on horses, right? And we were just sitting there, and Sammo says, okay, you know, the camera's going to pan by everybody. Now, when the camera's on you, acting! You know? <laughs> <laughs> Richard's like, well, what? What am I so going, hmm, oh, yeah, you know, my face. You know, he's like, when the camera's on you, acting! <laughs> so acting in a particular of- way. Just yeah. act more. Yeah, just, just acting. You're sitting on the horse. Acting. That's not even. You don't even get like a George Lucas direction of faster, more intense. Yeah. It's right. just acting. <laughs> yeah. You just fill it with whatever. Act you know. as much as you can. Just yeah. act. Yeah. So I always said, you know, it was a great place for me to learn because if I made mistakes, it didn't matter. You know. I was asking, yeah. You know. yeah. We're doing 60 more takes of this. Yeah. You know, punch anyway. So. So um, you mentioned Samuel Hung, and also kind of to rewind a little bit on you know how you got to Hong Kong. Um, Kind of the, the story that's out there is that you were uh, discovered by um, these people who were looking for the next Bruce Lee, and they found you when you auditioned. And then you were whisked off to Hong Kong, and that started your career, um, when um, it was more like you were discovered, and then they kind of didn't know what to do with you, and there was kind of a, an 18-month gap, and then Samuel Hung said, hey, what about this girl who has a contract? Yeah. Well, what happened is there was a company, they were called Seasonal Films, and they were looking for a guy. And they called up Ernie Reyes, who was our team leader, and, you know, he was known to have all these phenomenal, um, you know, guys on the team. And they said, bring the guys down. And he said, well, what about the girls? And they said, yeah, bring them, but they're really looking for a, a guy. And Corey Yoon was there. And yes. he was the one that was casting. And he says, I like the girl. I want the girl. So they signed me up with Seasonal Films, right? So... They said, okay, well, and I'm all excited. They're going, we're going to pay you like every six months, right? Well, a year and a half went, and they paid me the first six months. They didn't pay me the second, and they didn't pay me the third part. So I was like, oh, it's not going to go. So um, because of my championships, I was on um, the cover of uh, a karate magazine, and it also went into the San Francisco. I was on the cover of the newspaper there. Peter Jennings sees it. His people see it, and they said, we want to put you on Peter Jennings. So I go on, and I said, well, I have this contract with the Hong Kong company. And uh, it was a great clip. Uh, Peter Jennings said, look out, Hong Kong, here she comes. So Samuel Hong saw Peter Jennings, and he said, who is this girl? I don't even know. What Hong Kong company? And Corey Yoon said, oh, yeah, Seasonal Films signed her up about a year and a half ago, but they never used her. And he goes, I want her. So they brought me, they got me to do Yes, Madam, and uh, that's kind of. Oh, that went. <laughs> Circuitous, but it happened eventually, which is which is good. Yeah, that must have been kind of a uh, an uneasy six months, though, of just being like, well, when do things start? Like, yeah, well, at first, well, too, because when I did the Peter Jennings things, I was getting calls from all over the place, you know, and I was like, oh, but I got this Hong Kong company, you know, so I, you know, <clears throat> it wasn't something I was searching for, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to Chinatown and watch Jackie Chan movies, the early ones, and I used to go home practicing, and I always thought, ah, oh, I'd love to meet him because I like his moves, like I would take the moves and do it, but I never really thought I want to be in film, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to keep competing and then open up a, a school, something like that, so 
after I did my first film, I was like, I like it. And I got another offer. And then after the second one, that's when I said, oh, that's going to be my career. So that was a rough year for me because my goal was is to be undefeated for five years in competition. And this was my fifth year. Mm. And if I did not come back to the States, I would not have been able to maintain my title because it was all on points and stuff. So I was on the set fly back to Minnesota, compete, fly back, get back to the set. It was really tough, and I ended up doing it. But, um, yeah, it was interesting because I just thought it was going to be one little experience, one little crazy thing I did, you know, and I didn't really know that it was going to go into a a career for me. So um, having kind of forged your career in Hong Kong, um, did you start to think, oh, I'd like to maybe kind of try to break into America, or did opportunities start coming to you? Uh, or how did that happen? Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, question. A lot of people say you should have stayed in Hong Kong and did movies, right? Uh, but at that time, I was there for three years. You know, I kind of missed home. Uh, I missed I missed being in America. You know, I my Hong Kong movies were quite popular, pretty much all around the world except the U.S. So I got an offer, hey, when you come uh, to the States, you know, we want to start doing movies with you. So I was like, okay. But when I went, they were different. You know, they weren't the Hong Kong action. They were more acting with a little bit of action, you know. So a lot of people say, you know, you should have stayed, like Quentin Tarantino. He told my friend, uh, David Carradine was my friend, she shouldn't have left Hong Kong, you know. But it's like, (laughs) you know, at that time, Hong Kong was different. Like they had like for supermarkets, just like a 7-Eleven, you know. And I'd come home and I'd be going, Look at all the cereal boxes here, you know, where I get one choice and it's like eight dollars the box. At that time it's probably like two, yeah. you know. But but you know, I kinda I kinda missed home. You know, yeah. I missed I missed I missed America, so um, Well, you know, Quinn could cast you at any time, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> sure. <laughs> could have done you solid, I don't know. Well, you kind of did um you know, in the eighties you were doing the Hong Kong films and then um you did some films in America, which were, um, like you did uh, China O'Brien 1, one and 2, which I think uh, were theatrically released, but um, then you kind of had a career in, um, you know, direct-to-video, and your movies were very popular there. Um, there was also a, one that we saw, which was a TV pilot that you did in the early 90s with Stacey Keach. Oh, yeah, Irresistible Force. Which, if... <laughs> I was a little sad because I was like, you know, I want to watch that because yeah. it was it was a it was a cool part for a yes. woman. Yeah, yep. but I guess it didn't get picked up. You know what? It was a great premise. Um, first of all, I'm working with a, he would just you know did my camera. He was like a like it to me an A actor, right? And uh, CBS was doing it, and um, it was supposed to be a pilot for TV series. Well, during that time, it was totally bad timing because Kevin Hooks was the director, and CBS would be looking at the footage that he was sending back, and they're saying, we don't want any kicks to the head. And he's going, what are you talking about? I got this girl that can kick, and I can't let her kick to the head. And they're like, no kicks to the head, no blood, because at that time... It was thought that if you were showed fighting on TV, it was promoting violence. It's a total different world now. And that's basically <coughs> everything get, kept getting cut. And then finally, um, they just shoved it. They just shoved it because they said, no, we can't put this action 
picture, uh, you know, this yeah, girl it's like fighting. what's left. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's that's why that, that movie just got put away. But I think, you know, it just they weren't ready for that type of, you know, there was nothing on TV like that where, you know. <coughs> yeah, it can just be bad timing. You know, it was yeah. just like brawl yeah. fights with a punch or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they were saying, no, head kicks. And he's like, what? And that is a shame because you do a great head kick in particular that yeah. – um, I don't know if there's a name for it. I thought it was called like a scorpion kick. Yes, that's it's actually the Rothrock sting, and then some people. I actually <gasps> developed that kick, awesome. and I see it to this day in all these films. People do it, but what happened is, is when I was competing, I was uh, doing everything that I could to get better in martial arts. I would do gymnastics. I would do ballet. You know, you name it, uh, I would do it to make my martial arts better. And I was taking a ballet class, and we were holding onto the bar, and they said, try to kick your head with the back of your foot. And I did, and I almost knocked myself out. I was like, oh, my God, that hurt. So I said to my I partner. I stop kicking people. Yeah, I, so I said to my partner on the West Coast team, I says, hey, let me see if I can hit you from behind like this. And <laughs> almost knocked him out. We're like, oh, we're putting that in our demonstration. So that's kind of how that kick got developed. Nice, because yeah. I remember seeing that in uh, Honor and Glory, when there's that you know fight scene towards the end and yeah sure enough you're yeah. you know Rother Eckstein comes yep. from from the back I'm like well, whoa the first you see it is in Yes Madam I okay. did it there because Corey Yoon said to me is there any special technique that you like and I said yeah and he goes oh yeah I love it and then I started doing it almost in every movie and then I stopped because I thought okay it's getting worn you know and then uh, I do it again after a while and then I did a movie called The Martial Art Kid which uh, actually came after Mercenaries but they said, let's do it a little different. Let's do it with your hands and knees. You're on the hands and knees, and then you're going to kick back from your hands and knees. Do you think you could do it? And I was like, well, let's try it. You know, so <laughs> that's in it there. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, as time goes on, you know, it gets newer to, to people, you know. Yeah. And, and you can still do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, of course. And that is a fascinating example of uh, cross-pollination of disciplines, you know, mm -hmm. because you picked it up from ballet. Yeah. And I would think that maybe... You know, for example, you know, maybe a male martial artist who's not going to be in a bar class wouldn't come up with that. But yeah, you did. Right. <laughs> or you need to be very flexible in the back, in your back yeah. to do that. Not yeah, everybody like you could would, do that. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine the stretch that, that would take, and it's like, it's insane. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I, I did a video game. It didn't really come out, but this is back, this is back in 1999, because I remember I just had my daughter. And... Um, I had to do that kick probably about, oh my God, probably about a hundred times. And then I pulled a muscle in my butt and it <laughs> because my foot kept going up, you know, and I remember going around like, this might sound weird, but could you like put an elbow in my butt and just like, <laughs> <laughs> just dig, just dig yeah, it in. Just dig in there. And I think they covered this in the, in the red letter media um, video okay. where they talked about undefeatable, where they were at a loss to explain like why you weren't more widely known, I think, in the States. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, why didn't she have more of an action career in the States? Like, she's great. Is it because she's a woman who, like, does this action and, like, people weren't, like, ready for that? And I do get an impression that perhaps you were, like, just a little bit ahead of your time, you know, and... Um, well, you can look at it a couple of different ways. It could be you were fortunate enough to exist at the right place at the right time so that you were a prominent martial artist when Hong Kong cinema was blowing up. So yes. it's sort of like look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, yeah, and that's that's another thing that um, because and I, it's something that people have grappled with in the 
I've, I've read a couple of academic articles, these people covering you in a very scholarly way, and also asking the same question. It's like, why did her career take the direction it did? And, you know, again, uh, having this podcast, which, you know, again, we don't distinguish between high and low culture, and we are also champions of the working actor, right. you know, and we don't, um, you know, we don't, we don't make distinctions of, of the actor who had a career in, you know, uh, this particular milieu in exploitation or cult cinema or direct video as opposed to, you know, the A-list star in Hollywood. It's like, well, you know, this was a person like forging a career and it went the way it did. Yeah, that's know, what I'm saying. positive things to, yeah. to get out of it because your body of work is extremely, I mean, you've had like an incredible body of work that we've certainly enjoyed. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's given us like hours of enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, you know, there were two reasons. One, I feel I never had the right representation or that person behind me fighting. And number two, at that time, it was almost like, well, women don't sell. Women action don't sell. And even when I started coming back and doing like a lot of American movies, I was always the partner and the guy always came in in the end and saved the day. Like, you know, I could fight up to my own, but then he would come in like in the martial martial law there's a couple of them like fast getaway and uh um uh what other movie uh lady dragon mm -hmm. but you know they weren't studio pictures they weren't and at that time they were just making them straight to video because they were making more money that way than yes. even trying to do a, a theatrical because that you know video market was huge back then mm -hmm. you know so that's why i kind of became like in that uh that video realm you know and it's it's funny I've had a lot of close chances and I just don't know maybe you know at I'm still waiting for that chance to be in an A-listed movie, and I still think it will come. But, uh, you know, I, with Stacey Keats, the CBS pilot didn't go. I had a contract with Sylvester Stallone to do a movie with him called The Executioners. Uh, I got paid more for that movie than I ever got any money, and they didn't shoot it. You know, because William Freakin was going to direct it and Sylvester Stallone and him didn't get along. Oh. He didn't like the script. You were going to work with William Freakin? Yes, he was going to direct it. He was going to direct direct it. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in Chuni uh, China O'Brien in Utah, and Richard Norton and I come in. It's about three in the morning. And we'd always go to the front desk, say any messages, and I have called William Freakin, and I looked at Richard. I said, "Did you do this?" <laughs> and like, what? I, so it was three in the morning. So I, the next morning I wake up, you know, I'm waiting until about eight o'clock on. OK, so I so I called and I said, is William freaking there? And I thought someone was going to say, ah, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he started going, oh, yeah, that's me. And I want to put you in a movie with Sylvester Stallone. And uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm shooting China O'Brien. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, when can you come to L.A.? Well, I only have Sundays off. So they flew me in. Joel Silver was producing. He was there, Stallone was there, Freakin was there, and the two writers were from the Robocop. And oh my God. They, oh, man. They signed, <laughs> they signed the, I signed the contract. I'm still in Utah, right? And I'm going, oh my God, I'm going to do a movie with Stallone, you know? And everybody's like looking at me like, what? You know? And then I moved to LA. We finished the Chino O'Briens, and William Freakin calls me in, and he gets the script and he throws it and he goes, this is shit. And he goes, if you have something else to do, do it. And I was like, what? Uh, I'm like, 
is this, I mean, this might not go. And he goes, yep, take something else because oh. I choose to get fade. And I was like, oh my God. And and it never went. And then Salome signed me up for three more pictures. So I'm like, okay, wow, here's the rainbow. And then he got an offer. This is with the White Eagle when he had that company to do like 10 more Rambos and Rocky. So he didn't do that. So that one went. And then I met Paul Verhoeven. I met Paul Verhoeven and he, he called me to do the Sharon Stone part in the Total Recall. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So I go in and he's going, he goes, well, what are you doing, Will? And I'm like, well, I just did China O'Brien. And he's like, can I get a copy of that? Or can I see a screening of it? And I'm going, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me say I yes, ma'am. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so anyway, it was like the greatest interview. I come out and I said, I think I got the part. I think I got the part, you know. And I was going, oh my God. So nothing happens you know my agent says they're not calling they're not calling and i thought i you know i didn't go on too many meetings or auditions but i thought i have this part the way paul verhoeven was talking you know yeah so i'm on a plane like geez maybe like eight nine months after and some guy comes up to me goes hey cynthia how you doing i said oh hey he goes that's a shame i said what's a shame that's a shame why you didn't get the part and i went Why Thanks, didn't I yeah. get the part? I didn't know. They never called me back. And they said, Arnold saw your tape. And he said, the guy told me, he said, Arnold didn't want someone that could really fight. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, are you kidding me? And so, then he turns around and gives you an award. How do yes, you like that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and hasn't used me in anything to this day. Mm-hmm. Neither has Stallone. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that, that, was, that was very close, too. So uh, then I go and I meet with Adi Shankar, right? And I remember going in his office and it's all, you know, and I'm not used to meeting A-listers. These are like the only few A-listers I meet. And he's in a big glass window and I'm sitting there and I start waving to him and he looks at me like, and, I go, yeah, and he didn't even wave back. And I went, oh man, right? So I went in and it was a great movie. He was really, I, I really loved talking to him. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to do a woman's action picture. And he goes, I want to put you in it. I'm going to write you in it. And I'm going, oh my God. And he goes, well, what kind of part do you want? I said, anything, as long as it's memorable. He goes, would you, would you wear clown makeup? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the clown nose on anything. But then he never did it. So I've had chances that yeah. were so close, you know, to being there. It just, just never happened. So, you know, I always think about it when my life would be different, you know. So maybe, you know, what my path is, I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. But I still, you know, I still hope to. One of these days, because, you know, I feel like I still could do what I could do. You know, I'm active. I, I do crazy adventure stuff that, yes. you know, in my mind, it's like, like, what, what, what? I'm only 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. Um, what prompted you to start it? Well, my uh, partner, Michael Matsuda, he owns the Martial Art History Museum in Burbank. And I did have a YouTube channel, but I didn't really, really focus on it. You know, I did. I actually started it, but didn't put anything on. And I used to put all my videos on Facebook mm-hmm. and all the people were saying, you know, oh, you need to do a YouTube channel on your travels. You need to do this. You need to do that. And then um, Michael called me and he said, we need to do this. You could be making money on this. And I was like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, so let's do it. And like the, some of the proceeds go to the martial art history museum so i was like great cool this will be fun so we started putting it together and michael said to me well we need uh four thousand uh minutes 
of watching and a thousand subscribers. Okay, within two days, we have over a thousand subscribers. I'm like, great. So we hit 4,000 minutes. He comes to my house, he goes, okay, now we're gonna monetize, right? And we look, it was like 4,000 hours. And we're like, 4,000 hours? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's so much time, you know, and you have I'll to say. have it at a certain time. So anyway, he goes, well, let's just do a lot of videos and let's do this and let's really work at it. So in the meantime, I started becoming obsessed with it. I started learning a little bit of video editing and this and that, and it's fun. It's like a hobby for me. And plus I know um, my Facebook following is quite big that, that they enjoy it. So we, we just got into that. And right now we're like almost at 5,000 hours and we have like about 3,000 subscribers and we still, they still haven't monetized us oh, yet. Oh yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden we'll get things like, oh, we're taking 25 hours off. And we're like, what? You know, and you can't, you know, yeah. They said, oh, this wasn't right or whatever. And that's like, oh no way. This is 2018 from here to here. So we're in the process where we're still waiting because I'm more, ex I'm excited for Michael too, you know, yeah. because you know, he puts in, the two of us have been, you know, working really hard doing videos and you know, um, from what one of my good friends, uh, his name is Master Ken, he has a big YouTube following and he's like, yeah, you got to kind of do it almost every day. You got to put a video on and it's hard. It's hard to try to think, what can I do interesting every single day, you know? And it's really, really kind of tedious. So it's, it's funny, the things that I think I would like to watch aren't as big as the funny things or the training things or yeah, the sexy, tried, sexy kind of stuff. You have know? you tried so, playing video games for a living? So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, 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 so you know what? We're, we're, we're at that and we're both excited about it. We're both, you know, uh, having fun with it. And, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, because yeah. um, obviously I checked out a bunch of stuff on the YouTube channel when I was researching for this and um, I mean, I really enjoyed, um, there were a couple of videos where you had your stretch routine. Yes. And then you had how to make a proper fist. Yes, yes. And because I, I actually applied the stretch to, I stretch every day. Oh, good. And I applied um, your kind of basic stretch in yes. the morning. Yes. Which I was like, well, hell, that's like really helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. And, um, well, I need to do more of those. I know I need to do more, more of those. Um, the thing is, when I do most of my videos, it's all me holding the camera, you know, so I have to figure the get someone to come and shoot it for me you know or you know so it looks a little, it's not yeah. <laughs> just that that if one you need perspective crew, we both have film degrees so <laughs> oh okay yeah right yeah, well collecting yeah. dust yeah <laughs> so that so they're coming a lot of a lot of more, lot more training videos coming because i know like like people like that and i could probably do that like forever you know like different yeah. tips on training and stuff yeah know, we, also, uh, we also we also watch some yeah. of the self-defense video and um, I wanted to ask you also, because um, you talk a bit about, um, you know, women's self-defense in particular, and you have those videos on your YouTube channel, um, what would you suggest for women who have never done a martial art in their lives? For example, someone like me, I did roller derby, but I would fold like a card table if I had to actually punch someone. But, you know, what if I'm put in that situation? Yeah. You know, so if you're starting from the ground up, like, how do you get started? Well, it, it's, it's a good question because there's uh, a lot of schools out there. There's a lot of good schools. There's schools that aren't so good. And as a person that doesn't really know, it's kind of hard for you to go in and 
<clears throat> make a decision. So what I recommend is uh, because you know your Chinese styles are more fluid. Uh, you know your uh, Korean styles deal a lot with kicking. Your Japanese a lot of hands. You know so. Uh, I would say go to different schools, watch the classes. Some schools have introductory classes where you could try it out, two classes, and see. Get the feel of the atmosphere, you know, how are the students, is there discipline in the class, you know, how do they look, you know, and and decide because I could sometimes look at a person and say, oh, okay, you'd be good because I teach Chinese styles and I teach Korean styles, so I, they're completely different, so I could tell if someone is going to be better on you know this uh, I like the Chinese styles for women because the self-defense or Kempo styles because the self-defense is really good you know really it emphasizes a lot of you know uh, specific self-defense techniques what are the things which apply best to the kind of situations that you would encounter in real life um, for example like you know being I would imagine it would be being Maybe it's somebody that you invited over, and then he mm -hmm. kind of turns like uncool, and maybe he grabs you. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, it, it, uh, it, the, for people, you don't really have to be a black belt to learn how to defend yourself. It's really quite simple. Uh, what it is is that through the martial arts training, like you develop, see that fear that you had. You say, "I don't know if I could punch someone," right? And you can't. You got to get over that because you have to defend yourself. You know. And there's techniques like, okay, if he's just messing around, you know, you can put him in an arm lock. You know, and, and say, don't move or I'm going to break your wrist, you know, or don't do that again. Or if you're out on the street and someone's choking you, that's a different situation, you know, then you have to really hurt that person. So, it, you know, it depends on the situation. And in martial arts, you learn all those different situations. But uh, one thing to remember is uh, the eyes. The eyes are a really good place to go because no matter how strong the guy is, nobody's going to, you know, take that gold, you know, thrust your fingers into the eyes into the throat where the Adam's apple is and also into the groin and then sometimes learning multiple strikes because you know if someone's attacking you on the street and they're outraged their adrenaline's going they might not feel it so you have to keep hitting until they go down you can't might not be able to just hit once and then you know say oh I got that's it you know you have to you know remember sometimes in that street situation to your life or theirs so you have to really really you know make sure you're going to do something to get them down Otherwise, if you don't, you're going to aggravate them more and they'll come at you harder. You know? does, um, does that help your confidence, just being out in public or being in situations where you're like, okay, like I can, you know, I can handle this? Yeah, totally. You know, it's it's uh, you you know you know you could defend yourself, right? But I think one of the big things about martial arts is is not only that you get that confidence, is you're more aware of situations. So I don't put myself in dangerous situations. You know, I won't park in a place that's really dark and off the you know beaten path. You know, or uh, you know maybe if I'm walking, I might have my keys between my hands so I could stab someone with the key, you know, in the eye or something like that. Uh, you know, you you think of things and you're more aware of what's going you're more aware of your surroundings you know whereas if you're not in martial arts you don't really tend to do that and they found that you know most people that's going to get attacked is they seem like they're weak or mm -hmm. a victim you know so, so there have been times where I'd walk on the street and like someone <clears throat> would like try to scare me you know and I just you know look at them I wouldn't ignore them you know what I mean I'd be like confident that you know yeah come on buddy you know <laughs> <laughs> you know like that so that that also gives you you know the confidence that you don't like seem really intimidated or scared mm -hmm. you know that you could you could you know fight back 
Have you been in many situations where you had to like school someone? No, never, you know, (laughs) uh, uh, not really, you know, I've had situations where maybe, you know, but I think they could just feel that, Ooh, no, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. Like one time in an elevator, you know, someone tried to like pin me up against the elevator and I I don't know, I gave him like a like a knuckle like in you know into the chest or something like I knew a pressure point you know and they backed up and, went, Whoa, and then I got out so that that was that was basically it but uh most martial artists have not and I mm-hmm. think it's because you know the awareness and the confidence factor well that is true because people um who are predators tend to look for victims yes they're bullies they're actually and, like bullies yeah. or you know and like the thing is too you know like you know there's you know where there's dangerous places you're not going to be walking around there and, and be someone will rob you they don't care what you you know if you look dangerous or not you know so you just gotta you know try not to be alone be in a group yeah. you know and kind of keep your eye you know oh that doesn't look good let me walk over on the other side of the street let me keep an eye on that person you know it's very much you know mm-hmm. awareness is a big part well that's also true that i think um again not getting into trouble in the first place rather than having to fight your way out of it well, yeah, and also, like, um, life very much isn't like the movies where people don't usually go looking for a fight. They don't come se. out and say, I'm going to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Let me kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people might want to rob you, but they aren't going to, like, want to try to beat you up necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, too, is uh, if someone's going to try to steal your purse, you know, I would not let them take it, but basically yeah. I would recommend to someone just give it and try to avoid <laughs> a fight as, you know, all costs. Unless, yeah. you know, you're... Take your battles. Unless you're, yes, unless, you know, you're, you're really confident that you know, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a question that's been going around on Twitter um, that different people have been answering. What's one thing you wish people understood about your profession? Oh, that really... Hmm. What's one thing that people understood about your profession? Uh that it's uh well i don't know if i i would say i wish they would but i guess what i think that people don't understand about it is that it's a lot of hard work it takes uh you have to be a mentally strong person to do fight scenes because you will get hit you will get hurt you know it's a dangerous job you know so it's not all fun and glory you know underneath that fight scene there's bruises there's broken bones there's stuff like that so i think being an action star is probably one of the hardest you know other than doing stunts, you know, uh, is is it's very hard. It's not easy. Yeah, because right. you're really doing the thing. Yeah, like it's and all... it doesn't matter if you're a girl. Yeah, because even so, like you know, you're not. People are not supposed to hit, but you do get hit. Yeah, you know, you do get hit. You know, this was something that Van Damme do got get in trouble hurt. for. I think. Oh right. On yeah. No retreat. No surrender. Was that he kept making contact? Mm-hmm. And they yeah, kept saying, like, "What do you do? Like stop." Can you not do that? Yeah. But he kept doing it, and then he actually got sued for it later. Um, I think when he was making Cyborg, and then they actually called in one of the actors from No Retreat, yeah. No Surrender to testify and say, like, yeah, the guy kept hitting me when they said, don't hit me. But you know, that's uh, yeah. that's true. Well, there's there's a, you know there's a thing to it. Like it, it's like in Hong Kong, they want you to hit. Right. But they don't want you to hurt the person. Mm-hmm. But they want you to hit and make it look hard. Mm-hmm. You know, where a yeah, lot of times when you're doing American pictures, they don't want you to hit but they want you to look like it's hard you know and it depends it's a different school a different school I mean I even in my training I came up rough you know I I remember like you know people jumping on my stomach you know standing on my legs in horse stands I wasn't low enough getting an electric 
cow prod and hit me in the butt with it. Like, you know, I mean, you can't do those things nowadays. So <laughs> I, I hope not. You know, but I can't, that's how I, I trained, I, how I learned back in, 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 in that day, you know. So uh, you, you have to follow directions. That's the number one thing. If you're on a set, like, and you have Corey Yoon and he's saying hit harder, then you hit harder. But if you have a director saying you're, you're making too much contact, don't touch. So at being a, an action star, you have to know how to control and and really not hit and if you do have to make light contact it's you know it's an art of making it look hard but you're not really hitting hard so which even though you could be a phenomenal martial artist you could be like a ninth don black belt but you might not be able to transpire that kind of acting into film you know you're going to kick you kick too hard you know what i mean they can't they can't yeah, it does Say, seem me, like an issue yeah, of control. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's kind of what he was doing. He just really could, didn't have that. Because I don't think he studied a whole long time before he went in, mm-hmm. into movies. Yeah, because I think he's one of those um, martial arts who has, like, you know, street cred. But, you know, maybe it wasn't. Well, he was a dancer. And he was very flexible. So it was easy for him. Oh, that's why he martial could do those arts. crazy splits. Yeah. And then he did, he, did, he did do martial arts, you know, and he did, he did compete. But I don't think he, he studied, like, years gotcha. and years and years, like, you know, some of the other action stars. Do you find that, um, I know that with martial arts fans, um, authenticity is a big, tends to be a big deal for them do you do you encounter that with fans where they tend to be like well you know like she really knows her stuff but like this guy doesn't know you know uh shinola uh, from the other thing yeah <laughs> that's 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 like a 50 50 you know some people know and then they won't support people that don't do good technique or don't look good or it looks stupid you know like I am not a big fan of a lot of action pictures because I'll look at someone going, oh my God, their foot is not in the right position. They'll get it broken. Look at their, they're punching with the fist like that. That was a total miss. You know what I mean? <laughs> the action has to be right on for me to like like the movies, you know? Uh, some people can see that. Some people can't. Some people that, someone could just get up there and move. Like I've seen things like, you know, where like going to competitions and watching people performing and they're really fast and they're flashy and spinning, but the foot technique isn't right, the hand technique isn't right, you know, I would notice that and I would say, oh, I don't think that's so great. Where someone can't really pick out that technicality behind it and go, that's amazing. Yeah. So I think it's it's a, it's a, a 50-50. If someone has studied, they will know and they won't like action that is stupid. And if someone doesn't know and they just like martial arts, they're not going to tell whether it's, it's good or not and go, yeah, that's great. It's kind of like, it's like musicians, you know, watching, like Spinal Tap or something, and be like, oh, the fingering's all wrong. Oh, this, is, this doesn't match up. <laughs> or be like, oh, this, this is a Unix system. I know this. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> or someone could look and go, oh, they're lip syncing. Yeah. You know, and then you might not, some other person might not know that, you know, going, yeah. oh, yeah, that's in the studio. If they sang for real like that, they wouldn't yeah. sound like that. <laughs> was there, is there a recent action picture that you thought had just really, like, on-point action that you enjoyed? Yeah, I enjoyed The Kingsman. Okay. I yeah. like the action in that because it's kind of like Hong Kong action. They probably had Hong Kong. And I like that. And I thought they made, we all know Colin Firth is not an action star. But when he <laughs> did The Kingsman, the first one, they made him look phenomenal. You know? Uh, so I, I like that. I liked, um, I liked, uh, I thought Wonder Woman was good. 
you know, I was one of those people that go, I don't want to go see it. I don't want to go see it because they got an actress that really can't fight and they're going to use doubles and I'm going to tell it's not going to be good. And I was surprised. I was like, oh my God, I'm glad I went and saw it because I thought she did, she did a good job. Uh, I like Jason Statham. I like his mm -hmm. action. Uh, I like Liam Neeson when he fights, you know, I like his action too. Uh, so it depends uh, Robert Downey Jr. When he did uh, Sherlock Holmes, yes. and he did that Wing Chun scene, and he did it slow, and he did it fast, I went, I was so impressed. I said, oh, my God, he made that look real. I was, like, so impressed. And someone said, no, he studies Wing Chun. I was like, oh, no wonder, because he was so great at explains it. explains it. You know? Do you think that, um, a, like, a fight choreographer can help a lot with that? or They can. Think? They can, right? Uh, yes, they can. Um, because they could look and say, that doesn't look good, do it again, do it again. But then again, do they do it all the time? I don't know. Like I was doing this, uh, it was, um, I can't even remember, it was a Kiefer Sutherland, Sally Field movie, uh, Eye for an Eye. Right. And I came in as the uh, uh, martial art choreographer, right? And the stunt coordinator didn't really, he kind of didn't like that I was there because he thought he could do it, mm -hmm. you know? And he told Sally Field, oh, this is don't listen to what she says do this do that you know and and uh she ended up doing a, a move with her hands like out like this which you never kick because if you kick with your hands out and it gets blocked that person has an opening they're going to come in and attack you you don't have a guarding defense and she wasn't a martial artist and she did a front kick to the guy's face and it totally didn't look believable you know and i was like why don't you keep your hands in and kick him in the groin because you're not really a fighter, but you know, that would yeah. work. And she says, no, no, no. The stunt coordinator told me if you kick a guy in the groin, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not a martial artist and you try to kick someone in the face, that's going to work, you know? So <laughs> see uh, stuff like that. I was like, Oh, you know? And then I remember the director was like, Cynthia, do something about it. And it's like, she didn't want to listen because he already, you know, he already made her, think you know nah. voice of authority yeah you know so so uh but i think yes i think you know if i if she would have listened to me i would have said no that doesn't look good doesn't like, like you know i trained the girls for uh charlie's angels the tv series that kind of got canceled yeah. prior to them going you know so i was training them and i was trying to you know on that they weren't martial artists some of them were athletic and just trying to say okay do this with your hands just look real you know and and uh I'd be like, I told him, I said, one of the things is, look, at it's Beauty and the Beast, you know, I said, and this is the first time I was behind the camera instead of in front, so it was different for me, I was like, because I'm thinking, part of me is thinking, I should be in this, <laughs> I should be in the camera, <laughs> but then I'm thinking, but no, this is a job, and you've got to make them look good, so okay, I could I could do that, and, um, you know, when I saw the, the movie, they were doing fight scenes, like, with heels, like, five inches tall, and I'm like, what, you can't do that, you cannot do that. <laughs> And I wasn't there, but I think if I was, because they went and shot it in Florida, right. and they wanted me to come, but I couldn't because at that at that time I, I had something else I was doing, and um, my friend was doing it, and uh, then I would have said no, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons it didn't work because the action wasn't, you know, you can't scale a wall with heels this good, you know, and there's a time to look great, yeah. and there's a time to fight, and when it's time to fight, you got to make it realistic, you know, like. We went and did a photo shoot, and they want. I said, I want you for the poster. I want you to do a jumping sidekick because one girl I knew could, and like you're breaking through glass, right? And the other girls are around, and she has these heels on, and I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to break your ankle, you know. So we had to like do like a punch or something like that because they did not want to have the big heels on them, 
you know, and it would have been so much better if they would have just put flat, come out, do that kick, you know, yeah. whatever. The time to look good, time to not, you know, and, and to me that was like one of the reasons it didn't work. And I think if I was on the set, mm. I would have made sure, you know, that no, that does not work. That doesn't work, you know, so. Well, it's it's a it's a dance, you know, of trying to like make it look real and make yeah. it look good. And then, and then yeah. again, too, maybe yeah. you don't have time. Maybe the director is like, "No, that's fine. Let's go." You right. know, the stunt coordinator is going, "That's fine." You know, so it, it unless it's your movie and you're putting the money in, then you, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the devil of production is like you know making it look good versus getting it getting it done and getting out on time. Yeah, so I feel like you know some you know you just go in, you do your best, and you you know. Yeah. I remember I did this movie with Billy Drago. It was Lady Dragon. Yeah, Billy yeah. Drago. And I remember him from, like, what, what was he in with the white suit? Was it Untouchables. Chain? Untouchables, Yeah, right? I just and, saw that. Yeah, right, you know? And he said to me, he goes, you know, I don't care if it's a small movie. Like, here we are shooting in Indonesia, and we don't even have bathrooms. We, they were, like, knocking on people's door. Can our actors use your bathroom? You know, the makeup was a little bench on the corner in the sun, sweating. You know what I mean? And he, he was, like doesn't matter if it's a small movie or a big movie because he's done both I do my best you know yes. and I thought that was great and I thought you know I learned from him you know for doing for doing that you know that yeah you know that's what you do and you don't know how it's going to turn out you know it's all editing True. director yeah. and you all you could do is do your best you know before we forget to mention it how did you end up doing the voice on uh the episode of eek the cat that you were on yeah oh Bit yeah of a change yeah that <laughs> was that was so much fun well um I think it's Steve Savage did it. Was that yes. yes. Yeah. Savage was, Steve Holland. Yes. He was a fan of mine. Of course. And I knew he, it. <laughs> and he called me and he said, would you like to do this? And I said, sure. You know, and he says, I'm, I'm going to have a, you know, one of the cartoons with you as your character with Eek and Shark Dog. Right. And I was like, oh, I love that. That's so great. And it was such an experience for me because when I went in, I've never done voiceover before. And he's like, okay, now our audience is two to three years old so you have to talk as fast as you can like as fast as you can you got to do it you know I was like, <laughs> and then the guy sitting next to me was doing like eight voices he'd be like oh piggy yo no go do that you know and I was like, oh my god you know how do you you do that but you know that was is one of my favorite things i've ever done when i see that i when i read the script for eat the cat i was laughing hysterically it was just so funny it was so campy and funny so you know i i loved i loved that yeah. yeah, I got to meet him and Curtis Armstrong at CineFamily years ago. So, yeah, they were showing um, Better Off Dead and I think One, One Crazy, Crazy Summer. Summer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because the audience for Eat the Cat at the time was two and three-year-olds and, uh, and, and me. young Tim yeah. Heiderich yeah. because he was a huge fan of the show. Still am, <laughs> yeah. It's me and like three other people who still love the show. It is oh, a very funny God. show. Yeah. I, I at that episode though I don't know did you see that episode yeah I, I like, loved it it was so funny and then they have Fabio in the <laughs> and, I, and I pick him up and carry him off into the sunset I was like you know but it was funny it was all those like cliche Chinese things yeah, your father I, you know I have to defend my father's honor your great grandfather killed my yeah. <laughs> let me kill you now <laughs> I'm gonna bite you yeah I'm gonna yeah. bite you yeah we actually we we uh and we got the idea to invite you on. We actually dug up that episode and rewatched it because Tim has got all the the eat the cat. Yeah, I have those on VHS from when I recorded yeah. them as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. We and, love VHS. Yeah, but yeah, of course now like, you know, was it Nelvana Studios? Like I got got bought by Disney and you know, those tapes are sitting in a vault somewhere, so I don't know if I got rid of all mine. Again. I was like I, I probably uh, should have kept them because I could have had them transferred. Yeah. You know, over to CDs now or whatever, but at that point I was like I had so many, I was like yeah, and then who knew that, like, VHS has this, had this weird kind of renaissance where, you know, again, Red Letter Media, because they have people just send them bizarre VHS tapes, and they watch them, and there's a huge audience for it. You know, yeah. it's like when vinyl yeah. or cassette tapes came back. It's like, who knew? Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Well, I'd so, like to see more Eek the Cat, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see more Eek the Cat. Um so here's the question, you know, obviously because, um, you know, your, your career is still going, you're still working. Um, if you had your dream project come along and you could do anything that you wanted on it, uh -huh. be behind or in front of the camera, what would that project look like? Oh, I would, I would love to, uh, I'd love to work with Tim Burton. I'd love to be one of Tim Burton's films, hmm. uh, cause he's like one of my favorite directors. Um, I think, you know, right now I would love to be in some kind of action A-listed mm -hmm. movie. Just that gets out in the theaters because all my, you know, and then I think more people would know me because right now, even back then, if you didn't, if you're not a martial artist, like, and know me, like, through my martial art career, or you watch the action pictures back, you know, in the day, uh, you probably you don't know who I am so it would be almost like a uh, here's a new person you know mm. coming in you know and um, I kind of would like to be the face of it that you know uh, although I'm not like 20 anymore you know you still could look good you still could be strong mm -hmm. and I think throughout my whole career fight. I've been an inspiration to people number one when I started is that women could do martial arts number two you could do movies and you know I'd have people say to me oh, I'm glad you were an, a lawyer in that because I'm a lawyer and, you know, I studied martial arts because of you, you know, and I think now it could be too, like, wow, you know, I don't have to say, you know, because most people now think, oh, I'm, I'm 40, I can't do that, you know, or whatever, you know, I, you know, 50, no way, you know, that, you know, it could be an inspiration that, you know, if you, positive attitude, right, working out, eating, you know, right, mm -hmm. mental attitude, you know, you, you could do it, do whatever, you yeah. know, and then people would say, well, geez, if she could do that, I could do that, if I'm, yeah. I'm 32, you know, so, if I, Liam I, Neeson I think, is still punching I, you know, wolves, that, yeah. so that's what Seriously. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, you know, you know, some, I'd love to get that kind of momentum going in the future. Absolutely, I mean, I'm 39, and every time I watch one of your films, it inspires me to keep, you know, keep doing your daily stretch routine. You know, yeah. like I said, I played roller yeah. derby for a while mm -hmm. and I haven't been active in a while. I keep thinking like, well, you know, I need to get back to something. And yeah. the thing that, um, you know, is more and more true now is like, you know, like, you know, so what if you're almost 40 or 50 or 60? It's like, you can still be active. Yeah, definitely. And it's more once so, you stop being active, then that's yeah. when you start getting problems. Yeah. And more so for, you know, especially for women nowadays, I think that it's been a very slow process, but you know, there are better, you know, there are more women uh, working in media. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's not at parity where it should be, but it's happening. Yeah. You know, there are more parts in, uh, that are more interesting for women to be written. Like, you see more interesting characters. One thing that I noticed when a couple of movies that we saw recently, um, we saw Annihilation in theaters, and we saw Hereditary. Mm -hmm. And that was a case where you had, like, a very multifaceted, <clears throat> excuse me, female main character, and then she had a husband character who was kind of... Kind of flat. Vestigial. Yeah. 
which is a reversal of how um, parts used to be written, where you'd have like a very multifaceted male character and then kind of a vestigial mm-hmm. wife part. And I'm not saying that that's I don't want things to be written like that. I don't want like you know. Well, flat you want male everyone to have a well-rounded yeah. part. Yeah. yeah, but now it's it's happening more for women. Yeah, and so. So what I'm saying is that someone needs to write Cynthia a really great part in an action movie, put it in theaters, and everybody can see it. <laughs> yes. I want that to happen. Adi Shanko, are you out there listening? <laughs> I was the one waving at you through the glass. Like, yes, yeah. remember me? I was like, hey. <laughs> and then he looks at me like, who is that? You know, and I'm like, who? Who's this insane person? I'll just yeah. Here. I'll just here. <laughs> um, going back to the, um, you know, matters of, you know, Staying physical, physically active. Yeah, you're um, in better shape than either of us, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in good shape when I was doing derby. Now, not so much. Um, when you started martial arts, I think I've heard it said like a couple times where you were a little discouraged at first, mm-hmm. and then you really buckled down and started practicing, and then you started making progress. How did you get into that practice mentality? Well, I was young. I was 13. And um, I was in a class with all men, and there was one woman there, but I thought she was a man. Okay. <laughs> so you get the picture, right? I didn't know she was a woman. I thought she was a man. And I felt like I felt very intimidated. I felt like I couldn't shout. I could not get this one movement down. On my second class, my teacher paired me up with the woman that I thought was a man. To spar, I had no idea how to spar. I just stood there and she kicked me in the head, almost knocked me out. I was like, oh, I hate this, right? So then the next day I go back to class and if you break a board, it's very easy to break a board. If you break a board in half and then you have the other half, it's very hard to break a board. You can't break that. <laughs> a lot of people can't do that. So someone comes up to me and says, here, try to break this board with that front kick you just learned. And it's that half a board and I broke my toe, you know, and I was like, I don't like this. I go, Mom, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She goes, I signed you up for four months. You're going to go. So I go, Hmm. and it's about two months into it, and I'm sitting there hating it. You know, my mom's making me go. And the teacher gave a a speech, and it was basically, if you aren't good, it's because of your attitude and you don't practice. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got a bad attitude, and I don't practice, you know. And just I felt like he was just focused right at me that I started going, like, shrinking down, 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 down. So I said, all right. I'm going to practice. So I started practicing. And at that time, to go to your first belt, it was three months, right? Because they had so many belts. So I skipped a belt. I went to white belts to orange. I went to orange second stripe. So I entered a competition. And it was at that time, it was all women. It didn't matter how many years you studied. It was a women. That's it. And I took second place. Black belt took first. Black belt took third. And I said, oh, my God, I the, the third place was the, the girl at our school that was <laughs> that I thought, right that was her so I said you know what I could be good in this and from that day on I just practiced and practiced and you know it's something that has it's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in, from martial arts is that you don't give up you know if you fail you're going to keep failing then at some point you won't and you'll get it you know and a defeatist is not a good attitude like same thing I you know when I went in to do a hip-hop class and it was an advanced class and I'm in the back there like what the heck you know <laughs> I yeah, I feel like an idiot I can't do it but you know you keep going back and back mm-hmm. and back and then you're like 
oh hey I got that move you know okay you know it's just you just gotta you gotta put your mind to it it's all mental you you know and, and it's your attitude like I used to hate push-ups oh no I gotta do push-ups you know <laughs> and then I says you know I love push-ups I love push-ups they make my arms strong you know it's really good and then I, I didn't mind them so much so you know it's the biggest lesson I've learned too is that no matter what you do don't give up don't give up don't let you know it defeat you because then it will I'll remember that when I'm doing my incline push-ups. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love them. I love these. I love that thing. <laughs> so good. And, and then the other thing, too, is you learn that, you know, everybody takes something at a different pace, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to do it at your own pace, you know, and that's what I've learned, you know, from doing that because I was ready I was ready to give up. But same thing like, you know, with people go, oh, I can't do martial arts because I can't, I can't kick. My knees hurt. Well, that's so what. You can learn how to kick to the shin. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn how you use your hands. You do this and that. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to do that because, you know, there's th- going to be times that physically you can't do stuff. So it's like, okay, well, I can't do that, but what can I do? And this is going to be just as good. It seemed helpful, too, that um, it seemed like once you got good at it, you set yourself a goal. You said, you know, five times undefeated, and that definitely gives you something to, to shoot for. And that, that can be a, motiva- a motivator on its own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That the that also was another lesson that I got from martial arts is, you know, that was a goal and I was not gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna let anything happen, you know, and it was hard when I was competing because, you know, when I say I was five years undefeated, I must have competed about hundred and fifty times in those five years. It wasn't just five times champion, you know, it was going like, you know, forty different competitions a year, you know, and uh I got to the point where after about three years, it's like, what if someone beats me? I'm not gonna be able. I'm not gonna be able to take it. I'm gonna be mortified, you know. And everybody was out to gun for me because mm-hmm. they were like, that would be big news. I beat Cynthia Rothrock, you know. So, I would go to Hong Kong. I would go to. I studied in mainland China in the '80s when you know we couldn't even really get into the country. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I studied in Taiwan. I just kept, you know, saying I could, I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. You know, and the minute you kind of slack off and go. Hey, I'm good. You know, I I got this down. You know, then that's when you know you could lose. So I think you know for for doing that goal, it wasn't just saying I'm going to do it. It was like really a lot of hard work. Mm. How were you able work. to make that happen? Studying in uh, in China. Uh, my my one teacher uh, was from there. Okay. And he got a special permit for us. And I was a young kid in 1982. And I remember my mom saying, you're going to get, so they're going to kidnap you and put you in white slavery. And how am I going to find you? That's what my mom was telling me. And you know, she had me paranoid. Like, you know. It's like, that's but, why I'm taking self-defense yeah. classes. But it, it, it was, it was an adventure because we studied up in uh, Chengdu, up in the mountains. Uh, and um, most of these people here hasn't, had never seen anyone with blue eyes. My training partner was a six foot five African American guy. They have never Whoa. seen an African American there. You know, so we were like like in everywhere we'd go, people would just crowd around us and stare, <laughs> stare at us. You know? It was crazy. But yeah, you know, I mean we just uh, stayed in the training, did what we did and kinda I remember um going in the train, one of the one a guy from Canada came with one of his students and he was on, it was a young kid and he was on the belk on the pie bunk had the window open to the train and lost his camera and they weren't going to let him out of the country because you had hmm. to say you know what you brought in because they were afraid he gave that to someone it was yeah, a yeah. big 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 deal so it was it was yeah. pretty it was pretty weird back then 
So you travel a lot for your YouTube channel. Um, where the Where's the next place that you're going to go? Uh, I am climbing uh, Mount Fuji in Japan in August. Nice. No big deal. And then <laughs> in December, I am going to Antarctica. And on New Year's Eve, I will be ice camping and oh trekking glaciers. Wow. So that's going to be fun. Now, I don't travel for my YouTube channel. I'm thinking, hmm, maybe if I start making money, I can start deducting it. I uh, <laughs> When I stopped, uh, uh, well, I kind of stopped doing movies for a while when I had my daughter. Yes. I was like, oh, I want to be mom. You know, yeah. she was the most important thing. I didn't care about about my career. Then she got older. <laughs> I started caring about my career. You know? <laughs> started getting more expensive. But then I started, you know, uh, I started um, doing like extreme adventure things. You know, I I was like, you know, I really like being in the mountains and I want to trek and I want to challenge myself. So I trekked to Everest Space Camp, which was. Nice. Brutal. It was so hard. Hardest thing I probably ever did. But since then, I start finding these things. Okay, I'm going to do uh, Machu Picchu, the Inca Trail. I'm going to check the W in Patagonia, you know. So I have these. I want to do Kilimanjaro. So I have all these things that, you know, I want to do. And they kick my butt big time, you know, because I, I'll, like, I'll trek around here, you know, yeah. or I'll go yeah. there. But I don't do something where I'm trekking 15 hours uphill a day. You know what I mean? So it's 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 hard, but I like to challenge myself. And once I, I do it, you know, when I was doing Everest, you know, I was like, what am I nuts? Oh, my God. I'm insane. What am I going to, you know, ooh. Yeah. And then I get down. Yay, we made it. Okay, let's see. Isn't there Annapurna or something we could do that? <laughs> Since we're here, yeah. I used to do that with Hong Kong movies, too. I'd be like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. I can't do it. That's it. This is my last movie. And then you'd finish and you'd watch it on film. When's the next one? When's the next one? <laughs> So uh, if we just uh, search Cynthia Rothrock on YouTube, we'll find your channel? Uh, it's under uh, Cynthia Rothrock channel. Okay. Yeah, because when we went to do it, there were tons of Cynthia Rothrock stuff out there. Mm. I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're put, they're, that's my video. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we tried to get it to Cynthia Rothrock and get the other ones that that's not really Cynthia Rothrock, but we weren't able to do it. So I, I was a little worried, but now I think if you punch in Cynthia Rothrock, Cynthia Rothrock channel is, right. is one of the first ones. But that's yeah, the, pretty that, easy to find. Yeah, that's the only one that's me is the Cynthia Rothrock channel. Okay, and uh, your website for a long time has been CynthiaRothrock.org. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say orgy. What? No, 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 that's not me. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different website. Yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> org. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah or orgy. Or, yeah. I said orgy. I was like, well, wait a minute. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another my... one. There's a lot of those. I tell you, Cynthia Rothrocks <laughs> out there. Yeah, and then my Facebook, you know, and I have Instagram. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock, Lady Dragon. Lady Dragon, right? And it's mm. it's. I had one, and I switched. I got a new iPhone. And it, it wouldn't let me go back into my old account. I cannot get back into it. It started a new one. So I went uh, from all these followers to like zero. And I was like, oh, my God. But I think sucks. most, I again, know, yeah. and, I, and I cannot do it. Because, you know, other so many accounts were created. No. But right. that's another story. But yeah. um, Facebook, on Facebook. Is, right. I, I post everything on Facebook. And, you know, also the YouTube videos go there so people could you know go either to the YouTube, Cynthia Rothrock channel or my Facebook page which is mostly public right right 
So, you know, because you can only have so many friends there. So. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, follow her, check her out, hire um, her. Yeah. Or see her in, was it Fist of Fury? Fury, Fury of the Fist. Fury of the yes, Fist. Yes, yes, yeah. I think you could get that. You could get that. Uh, oh, one thing I'm doing, though, I wanted to mention is that first time I'm going to get behind the camera, I'm going to, we're doing a documentary. Great. On my life. And uh, my friends, uh, Sonia and Paul and I are producing it, right? We're probably going to do a crowd fundraiser, so you guys could kind of watch out for that like Kickstarter or Indiegogo but uh, my vision is is not a typical documentary you know I don't want people coming and saying oh yeah Cynthia's so great da, da, da. I want them to tell a funny embarrassing story something or motivational you know uh, it's going to be quirky funny you know start off uh, you know obviously you know my achievements and accomplishments being a mm -hmm. woman and basically back then was a man's world yes. and competing against men and you know, going into movies, going into extreme adventure, going into spirituality. So mm -hmm. I think uh, you know, my vision for it is 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 different. You know, like really a lot in the editing, like quirky, fun. You know, so uh, so I'm really excited about that. So hopefully awesome. we get we're going to get that started this year. Cool, awesome. great. Thank you, Cynthia, for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's you. been great. Thank you.